Hey, Steven, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. Ready to yeah. talk about some games workshop? Yeah, for sure. Did you hear Siri just... No, did she chime in? It? Yeah, she okay. thought I was talking to her. All right. We, we, um, we, we can just keep going. We yeah, we'll just... No, we're going to go through that. So this week, we're going to talk about Games Workshop, which is the Dungeons & Dragons meets Tolkien meets Halo meets Marvel. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty nerdy. Marvel was nerdy a while ago. 100%. So I, I kind of think of this as like kind of where Marvel was like 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, as far as like where the IP is in relation to like culture and like its trajectory, they have, the company was founded in 1975. I think they started on like the actual Warhammer games, like in the mid to late eighties. So they have like, like almost 40 years of like accumulated IP. I'm talking books, like a ton of books about these two universes that are actually connected because one is essentially 40,000 years in the future of the other one. So one is like you said, it's, it's like, like Tolkien kind of like that same feel where it's elves and knights and dwarves, uh, but they call it something else because they have to, they have to like copyright it. Um, But and then the other one is in the future. It's like giant space marines with flame guns and like demons of chaos and like these big dumb orcs that are actually like grown from fungus. It, it, a lot of weird shit. You have all these different races basically, and each race is in like like an army. And each army, you can buy miniatures that cost like two hundred dollars for some of the miniatures, right? Some of the bigger, more intricate miniatures, but they start out cheaper. But these armies, they can be pretty expensive and people are like fanatical about connect, collecting them. And I understand it firsthand. I got like a Lizardman army, which is Warhammer fantasy when I was like 12. And like my, my, my brother, Andrew, who still plays it, he, he got into it. He had a Britonia army, which is like knights. And you paint these miniatures. So it's like a kind of, it's like strategy, but it's also like a form of self-expression kind of because right. you prime these with primer and then you paint them and then people show off and compare their yeah. painted miniatures. Yeah, um, and that makes complete sense to me. And you're seeing that right now be very big with all kinds of collectibles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it kind of saved, I don't want to say saved them, but like during the downturn or during the downturn, during quarantine, <laughs> also during the downturn, people like focus more, collectors focus more on like collecting and painting these figures. You're home all day. You're not going to meet up with your friend to play Warhammer, but right. you know, you collect them. And that's actually like, like the that's main attractive. people is like the actual universe and the lore and like collecting and planning your army as opposed to like playing it. But people play this game competitively. It, it, it's like a strategy game and different units are different amount of points and you can customize your army. So it's almost like chess. If you could pay for yeah. points and you can pay for queens. There's right. parameters and you get a certain number of points allocated to you being able to build your army, but you can choose what to do with it. So magic the Gathering. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like Magic the Gathering and the fan base is just like as fanatical and dedicated to Warhammer as Magic the Gathering fans are to Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Now what I think Games Workshop has, we'll say Warhammer has that something like Magic the Gathering doesn't have is they have these books and they have really deep lore. Yeah. Why it's really more like Marvel where you can, oh, yeah. it has this really valuable IP that could be turned into mm-hmm. all qu- kinds of things. I think it's worth noting at this point that Blizzard originally tried to buy the IP or not buy, 
license the IP from them back yeah. in like, the yeah. mid '90s or early '90s. I can't remember exactly, but they ended up just ripping it off and creating Warcraft <laughs> and World yeah. of Warcraft, which yeah. is we talked about in a previous yeah. episode with Activision, just this monster billion dollar business. Uh-huh. And yep, Warcraft is Warhammer Fantasy, and War yeah, and Starcraft is Warhammer 40k. Yeah, um, Warhammer 40k is much more dark though. Like everyone, all the factions in it are like evil. There isn't a good guy, so it's it, there's an appeal there. Kind of like how there was like an appeal to Game of Thrones when they cut Ned Stark's head off. I, was yeah. like, oh, I don't know. It's a little. It's a little different. I think there is an appeal there. Yeah, um, and everything's, I think... everything's like grim. There's some stuff that's like that's like funny also, but it's like I don't know. It's a really unique lore set, and I think that that's the most interesting thing about the company. And right now, 40K is the biggest one. It's bigger than Warhammer Fantasy. One interesting thing they did is they actually rebranded Warhammer Fantasy. Now it's Warhammer Age of Sigmar. So they have, and this is all part of the lore. It's like an ever-evolving lore. Yeah. So like stuff's going to happen next. It's almost like they have different seasons in a way, but it's like slow moving. But anyways, one interesting thing they did with Age of Sigmar, which is like the fantasy version is they pretty much rebranded everything. So before it was Dwarves, and now they're called like Dwinway or something. Basically, they're making their IP more defendable. Because right. you can't say you invented the concept of a Dwarf. A dwarf. Yeah. And there was people didn't really like it, but I think they're accepting it now. And I, I, at first, I was kind of like, oh, what's this? But now it's like they almost made everything more unique also. So like okay. the Dwarves, now they're like, I don't know. They're more unique. They're like floating on like floating airships and stuff as opposed to like just being dwarves. Being dwarves, yeah. Yeah. So. No. And then the more interesting oh, part. Needs in the lore there, what, were, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to kind of dip into the financials a little bit. Yeah. But, and then we can, I think we should talk about the lore and the IP a little bit more after. But it's one thing to say it has cool IP and lore. It's another thing that they're monetizing it, which I For think sure. Games Workshop is doing a pretty good job of. I think I guess there's two things that I think are two or three things that I think are really interesting. I think a it seems like the last 6 months it's kind of reaccelerated post covid. <clears throat> Their new factory is about to be finished. And then on the margin side, which is where gross margins kind of everything to me when I'm looking at a business is They've kind of, they're moving away from metal characters, which are more expensive to build into this composite. Yeah, yeah. You may not remember the name of it, but it's this composite that's like 3D printable. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like a real good hard plastic. And they did some kind of like weird fiber filament for a while, but they abandoned that because the quality wasn't very good. But before, back in the day, when you got these figurines, yeah, they'd be metal. Like, like half of them would be metal half of them would be plastic kind of like the more expensive ones, unique characters, those would be a metal, but like having holographic cards versus non holographic cards. And it might've been, it might've been a production thing. So maybe for the, the units you're going to buy 20 of a unit, maybe they invested in like a plastic mold machine for those. And then if they're a unit, it's like a hero unit. It might cost 15 or 20 bucks for a little unit. That's like an inch yeah. and a half. So I think that's, I think that's part of the reason why they had, why the way they, been having margin expansion. They added like 40 million in revenue. I think, let me pull up those numbers. Um, um, 
but they didn't like they didn't have any increase in cost of goods sold recently, which was really impressive. Yeah. And basically they're just starting to hit scale where their efficiencies are kind of going off. Another thing that I really like is that even though it was down the last six months, in general, royalty income is increasing. But even better than it just increasing is that they really haven't been pushing it until the last maybe decade. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, maybe not even decade, like really the last five years, there's so much opportunity for it to grow with licensing. And they, they, they are, they've been very guarded with their IP. So right now they actually have some TV, like uh, TV shows in development. They, they got a new CEO in there five years ago. And I think he's doing like all the right moves. Yeah. Like, like their website has been revamped. They're doing like, like they're leaning more into communities. There's like a really active Reddit community around Warhammer. Like they have, they're putting out more content. Yeah. And their website, like just like their direct consumer, like ordering Warhammer miniatures from their website has been like really revamped. And I think online sales now, this is a lot of it's due to COVID, but I think they were up like 80% year over year. Yeah. You pull up those numbers. They added 40 million or 40, yeah, they added 40 million pounds of cash to the bottom line this year or this last six months. Operating profit going up, their gross margins are growing up. I mean, just everything's going up. Now it's not going up rapidly. Yeah, and and I know there's been some like supply disruptions from China because they make everything yeah. uh, in China, and COVID kind of disrupted a lot of their production. So from what I've heard, there is like a lot of like I, I think there might be some pent up demand that wasn't that hasn't been fulfilled. But yeah, the revenue for the six months ending for the last you know six months ending november 29th 2020 the revenue increased 26 percent. 26 percent. yeah not bad it, no it's not bad at all and i and think then, what's that i was just gonna say considering the margins which are great uh yeah and and yeah the return on assets 41 percent, 41.9 percent, and that's what originally got me like kind of i was like oh shit, interested in the stock. I've kind of been interested in, you know, the company for a while, like off and on, but uh, that's, yeah, it, it is. And, th- and that's the thing about like Warhammer and Warhammer 40k. It's like, it's irreplaceable for those fans. There is no alternative. There is no close alternative. Of course, there are like other alternatives as far as like entertainment goes. But when it comes to like Wargaming miniatures, like it's really, it's like Pokemon or it's like Magic the Gathering. Where yeah. it's like singular in its category, or like Legos, and I, and I think you're seeing those in those margins. And the shift to plastic is definitely helping that. But yeah, return on equity, fifty nine percent. Return on S- assets, forty two percent. Return on invested capital, fifty three percent. Just wild. Their gross profit yeah. margins are sixty seven percent. Their net uh, profit margins are twenty seven percent. It's just yeah. So current ratio two point one. Got a lot of cash, gross margins, like you said, 67%. So it's a real good lean business. They have 2,000 employees. They treat their employees well. well they have cracking performance from uh, their yeah, employees. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, yeah, do my British accent on the, the pod. <laughs> yeah. Their CEO said, another cracking performance from a truly amazing global team. Solid six months. They're, they're not cheap though, right now. I think it's a fair price given 
everything we've said. 89 times earnings, 49.8. So this is they're a trading, little... oh, they're trading, What was that? I was finish and then I, I'll go into this. Yeah, they're trading at 31 times Ford PE. I'm not sure which estimate, like which estimates that is based on now, but. Yeah, so I think we've kind of pumped the tires, pumped up yep. their tires quite a bit. Yeah. Going in towards to be uh-huh. a little bit more cautious. We, we hyped them up a little bit there, yeah. but you got to pay for that right now. 100%. So relative value compared to everything else, I think it's very attractive. I, I think it is if, I mean, if they can keep growing, like if they keep growing and they grow into that 30 multiple in a year, yeah, then then it's good. And I, I, I full disclosure, I, I have a position in them. So I obviously kind of like them. But, uh, but if you compare it more directly to Marvel when Marvel was bought out by Disney, and this is going to be a tenuous, a tenuous comparison because it's yeah. 2009, they were bought in 2009 post great financial crisis. Everything yeah. was compressed at that time, et cetera, et cetera. But Disney still paid about an eight times revenue multiple and oh. a 20 something times sales multiple for Marvel in 2009. Yeah. And it was a bigger business and arguably way more mainstream. I think that, that, you know, I, I think it was that. arguably more mainstream at that time. Yeah. I, I don't know that Marvel, I think it's easy to think about Marvel as being this very mainstream thing, yeah. but I mean, I had never heard of half the Marvel characters until Disney started putting out movies. And, and I think like the internet and social media and Reddit is helping Warhammer spread way faster than it normally would. Right. Twitter. Because you have like Henry Cavill like tweeting out pictures of him painting little miniatures. Um, yep, exactly. I mean, like Superman's that. painting miniatures. Yeah. So and it's... people posting memes and stuff, and people are like, "Oh, what's this?" I, I don't. And then they'll go investigate it and kind of go down that rabbit hole. They also license out their IP to game developers. There's like Vermintide. There's like Space Marines. So they have Warhammer 40k and Warhammer Fantasy properties out there on like right now on Steam. What is how? What kind of game is Vermintide? I know you uh, and your brothers have been playing. It's basically, Left 4 Dead. Okay. So it's almost exactly like Left 4 Dead, but like reskinned and like kind of like you have like campaigns. You get loot. Basically, you have four players and you go on these missions and you have to kill a bunch of Skaven, which are rat men. Yeah. And, and Left 4 Dead with zombies. But yeah, and you have to you have to kind of wade through these like gruesome scenarios, and it, it's grim. Warhammer's kind of dark too. You'll have I don't know disemboweled bodies everywhere and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm just trying to paint a picture. Yeah, no, but yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's a co-op game, four player, in-game voice chat and all that. But they have Dark Tide, which is coming out, and that's the 40k version of Vermintide. Okay, uh, that's coming out later this year. Don't quote me on that. And it looks really good. And I, I could see that being more popular than any of the Vermintide games have been. They also have, they also have some strategy games. The uh, release date for Dark, Dark Tide is 2021, but they don't have an official date. Okay. So some other games, they, they have a Total War game. They have Total War Warhammer 1 and 2. They have Warhammer 40k Dawn of War 2, which is kind of like Company of Heroes, which is like a real-time strategy game. And then they have like game called Space Marines. They're kind of they, they, they're Warhammer 40k and Warhammer Fantasy video games kind of continually, semi-continuously coming out. But they haven't had like a real smash hit yet. So 
I think kind of like the bull case for this, the bull case scenario is that they, they have kind of like a hit show mm-hmm. and that really drives the IP and it just becomes more of a thing. Or yeah, they haven't really also a, mobile, a mobile game. Yeah, or a mobile game. They haven't really broken through yet. Like they're not real mainstream yet. And I think that could happen or at least at least the niche could keep growing. Yeah, I think having the new CEO, I mean, new, he's five, I guess this will be his sixth year. Uh-huh. A CEO that's more focused on growth and business. He was the former CFO. Yeah. Who isn't quite so precious about the IP. Uh-huh. Will be a, I mean, it's not will be, it's already has been a clear benefit to Games Workshop. And yeah. I mean, I don't think if they have another Blizzard situation, they probably won't miss it. Yeah. So, I agree with that. And I think their cultural relevance is growing to that overall point. And I think that like eventually, like I think profits have been following it, but I, but I think that'll, I think that'll continue, especially I think they're really prudently managed. And I think the new CEO is kind of doing all the right moves. Like one, one interesting thing they did recently to get people back into stores is they, I think they, they paid for their network of stores. And I think they have 520 something stores, which are run by, by other people but like like miniatures like one miniature per month for free per customer to get people back in the door which is interesting yeah for sure i think i mean it's solid business you've been telling me about it for maybe two years now i think there's no way you're not going to get seriously hurt owning it in my opinion, I think the downside's relatively cap or relatively, yeah, capped. The thing is, if we hit a if we had a speed bump, if the economy goes down, and then all these rosy assumptions go out the window, and then you get margin compression, then it could go down. But it's not going to go to zero, and I don't think. Sure, for sure. So I think the you and I the kind of common thread we talk about is if you're really looking at downside, and you really believe in the business, what's the likelihood that in 10 years, it's going to be lower than it is right now. I think, honestly, it's not very... I'm imagining too many scenarios where it definitely where it goes to zero, and I think I just can't see how over a long hold period you get severely hurt. They have a cult following, like, yeah, in, in the best way, and they have such a good brand, and it is like a luxury product, and they charge luxury prices, really. Mm-hmm. And I, the CEO, he's doing like the com- I should say the company, not just the CEO. The company, they're doing a lot of smart things. Like they have like a children's animated series that they're putting out now to hook it, hook customers. You know, they're young. And I think they're just kind of pushing all the right levers. And it is one of those companies where I, I could definitely see it going down if, like I said, if there's a recession and people cut back on spending, but I know the company well enough. We're like, personally, it's not, if it went down a lot, I wouldn't sell because I know the company well enough to know that they're not going anywhere and that these are like lifetime customers that they have. Uh, Yeah. And I, and what you're buying to me with that is you're paying, buying a dividend paying call option on the appreciation of the IP. Exactly. Exactly. So I, for, yeah, well, but then I think that it's like not this, amazing deal if that call option doesn't hit and if their ip doesn't like take off yeah i think it's an okay i think it'll probably work out okay but i'm not sure it'll like really outperform but man i don't know like 
that 53% like return on invested capital, their numbers are really good. So, I mean, they have luxury margins yeah. in a leisure, in a low, relatively cheap, it's a relatively cheap luxury product. Yeah. So it can become more mainstream than Louis Vuitton bags or whatever. Yeah. But I'd be willing to bet that the, I'm not going to say that. Eh, I'll say it. I bet the mean, like the average customer spends more in their lifetime on Warhammer than they would at like Louis Vuitton. I bet there's people who spend more money. Like, I think there are more higher value clients at Louis Vuitton. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think the average person. Yeah, yes, thousands and thousands of dollars. So not like the lifetime value necessarily, but the kind of mean Mm -hmm. Warhammer customer spends x amount of dollars and i bet that's higher than a lot of luxury brands yeah and then another thing i should mention they have books uh they sell like these codexes which are like rule books and those are like 30 35 dollars they sell paint brushes the paint can be like 10 bucks a pop per little tiny vial so they kind of have a lot of yeah they have a lot of upsells yeah a lot of upsells yeah and another thing is the thing when we talk about like the call option being the IP gaining more relevance, like they already have a monetization method. So it's kind of like Disney where like, they're already really good at monetizing their IP. So if their IP takes off as far as more people knowing about 40K and Warhammer Fantasy, that'll be really good for the business. 100%. They already have everything in place. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is just, you're buying Marvel and with the... And I think it has very similar acquisition upside to Marvel. In, in uh, I mean, I, 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 the streaming wars, like, I, I, like companies are so hungry for content right now and for like universes that there, there's this arm rate, arms race going on. And I wouldn't be surprised if that benefits Games Workshop sooner rather than later. I was going to see if there was anyone streaming Warhammer on Twitch right now. There is, but not super. <laughs> There are 169,000 followers for Vermintide 2. Oh, okay. But 221 concurrent viewers right now, which is great. But <laughs> it's kind of an old game. Vermintide actually is like, it's using outdated IP. That's actually using Warhammer Fantasy IP and not Age of Sigmar IP. Interesting. More definitive so so Darktide that's coming out is going to be the new... Uh, Darktide is going to be 40K. 40K, they're, they're not doing that reset because the IP is so unique that it's already defensible. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. Oh, just for another comparison to Marvel, because mm. once again, I just it just seems ridiculously similar. When the year before Marvel was bought by Disney, or maybe the first the last full year, I think it was in two thousand seven, they were bought in early two thousand nine, but two thousand seven they did about six hundred and fifty million in revenue and did about two hundred and fifty million in net. Yeah. Which is very similar it's to the yeah. 280 to 80 yeah. or 90 yeah. that Warhammer's doing. So it was a Marvel was a bigger business at the time, but the margins bought top and bottom line, like ratio is very similar. Mm-hmm. The IP thing is such similar. They built lore over decades. Yeah. And that, that that's something that you can't just come in no. and have like 40 years of accumulated interlocking lore. That is, it's been yeah. built up over decades and, and yeah, it has to, it's something that has to be built up over decades. Yeah. 
So it's in the same way that De- or Lafitte Rothschild, like you can't just like create something that's as prestigious as that wine because you yeah. don't have 250 years of heritage. And I was about to get into the heritage portion, how that is similar to like building a luxury brand. But okay, so we, we talked about, or the components needed to have a luxury brand, I should say, but we talked about Lord of the Rings. So I, I should mention they have an agreement uh, to make models and they make a, uh, like they make a Lord of the Rings and a Hobbit and a Middle Earth. They, they they make uh war games based on that and they also make miniatures. It's I don't think it's that big, but you can buy smog, like a smog figurine for 560 bucks. And it's temporary temporarily out of stock. I guess they're selling those five hundred and sixty dollars smog, the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I I'm I'm just gonna go over some prices real fast, just so people can kind of get an idea. Click I'm on their website, I'm clicking on Warhammer 40k. So they have like space Marines, armies of the Imperium. I, I won't get into the lore of this episode anymore. That you, you can YouTube that. Uh, if you just YouTube Warhammer 40k lore, they will do a better job explaining that than I can. But okay, they sell like like one of the biggest figurines that they have. One of their main figurines is like $140 for like a plastic figurine but extremely detailed and they're constantly like innovating with them. They have art artists, they have modelers, like these miniatures are super, super detailed. They look really good and they're super creative. And then they have like a starter set for like 90 bucks and you can just pick and choose. Uh, and also go, I would go to the subreddits if you're interested in looking into it more. The yeah. subreddit has 71,000 members. Yeah. 40k or yeah, the 40k memes. 40k memes subreddit has 180,000 and then the 40k regular subreddit has 356,000 members. And, and that, that's a sign of like really good IP when people are like making their own content around it when they're making yeah. memes. Uh there's what what is it called? There's, there's actually like a whole animated series that someone made and posted on YouTube like a CGI series because they just love Warhammer so much. Yeah. Which doesn't happen, that kind of like dedicated fan art with every IP. Yeah, there's about 8,000 people, and we're doing this at 11 o'clock on a weeknight. There's 11,000 people on the subreddits right across all of their subreddits right now. Yeah. So that it has like, okay, it has 3.4 million views. It's called Astartes, A S T A R T S, um, on YouTube. You want to look up that user-created video, which is pretty amazing for user-created. Just something that wasn't like officially sanctioned and paid for. So I I think think we can probably wrap right now. I think the best way to sum it up is a dividend-paying call option on the IP appreciation. I think it's not cheap for sure. Not cheap. It could get hurt for sure if if the economy takes a hit or or, or if the growth doesn't materialize and and it's pricey. But But if they continue on their current trajectory, I, I don't... I mean, but if Disney or Netflix or, I mean, I feel like there's maybe half a dozen people that I could see paying over a billion dollars for it. Yeah. And just put their growth in like a, and just to zoom out a bit. Uh, What's up? Obviously over a billion dollars, market cap's three and a half billion. Oh yeah. yeah. Like a premium over their market cap. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, just as, just to you can end after this, just to zoom out in 2016, the revenue was $161 million. So I'm looking at 
numbers converted, you know, to US dollars from pounds. In 2020, they did 368 million in revenue. So they, they more than doubled revenue in four years, which is pretty good. Anything else to add? Oh, uh, no, that's about it. Let me see. No, I think that's about it. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. One more thing. Yeah, their income in 2016, 23 million. Their net income in 2020, 122 million. That's, those are big so, boy Those are big boy gains. Up. Yeah, it's ramping up. And I, I think that's due to the, I think they owe a lot of that to their new CEO. I think they all owe a lot of that to just the company executing as a whole, obviously. And to- And there's also and just the compounding IP, of the IP. For sure. And their IP proliferating on like Reddit and yeah. other internet communities. Yeah, it's um, but much yeah, easier for nerds to find each other now. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like it's kind of like a cultural identity too for some people. I think that's about it for me. Yeah, I'm out. So All right. cool. later. Yep. Okay.